Welcome to the Sweet Fire Podcast, where we study and celebrate the lives of women who dare to let their fire light up the world. This podcast is based on the message of the picture book, Sweet Fire. I'm your host, J.P. Mitchell, educator, author, speaker, and curator of great stories. Let's see what today's episode has in store. Today, we're talking to Nicole Jackson. Nicole Jackson is an environmental educator and the founder of In Her Nature LLC, a life coaching business focused on nature therapy for Black women. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. So as I think about the Sweet Fire concept, I'd like to know like, what resonates with you about that and how do you see yourself there? Yeah. So again, thank you for having me. I thought a little bit about the Sweet Fire message and I realized like it has a lot to do with confidence, bravery, understanding of self and really being okay with taking leaps, mm. even if there's no net that shows up um, right away. Well, yes, that right there. And you have actually done that. So this mm-hmm. kind of leads into my next question, which is, can you share some with us about who you are and ways that you touch your world? And also talk a little bit about that leaping without the net, if you would. Yeah. So my background entails a lot of nature, a lot of being outdoors, a lot of connection with myself and with other people and helping them, you know, come to terms with this beautiful connection that we so I I feel like it's so very disconnected, but we still have the knowledge. It's kind of dormant and in terms of our connection with nature and the outdoors. And a lot of my work entails helping people understand the importance of that relationship and the benefits that it brings into our lives. So for me, being an environmental educator, being a bird watcher, being a lover of the environment, just because it's taken such good care of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like it's my purpose in life now at this point in my 30s that I'm I'm taking that knowledge, that wisdom that I've gained from my own experiences and from having experiences with others in nature, that it's it's a new path, essentially, that I've created for myself to continue to inspire and impact others on on their own healing journeys. And so can you share with us something about how you arrived there? Because, you know, I've had this conversation with other people and I have this theory that most people who are doing something impactful in their world made a decision, some kind of decision when they were young. In their mind, they might not have written it out or, you know, made a big mantra about it, but they decided somewhere like, oh, I want my life to be like this, or I don't want this, or this is how I'm going to approach my life. And so there were some decisions that I'm sure you made at a young age with relation to nature and how it fueled you. Can you talk some about that too? Yeah, the word decision, pretty much. Yeah. When I think about decision, I think about survival. I think about self-worth. I think about, again, connection and being honest. When I was younger, I was in foster care with one of my older siblings. 
growing up in Cleveland, Ohio, in in foster care together for a few years, but also we didn't know these people. They were strangers taken from my mother. I was maybe five or six years old at the time. And growing up, you know, knowing that I had uh, a loving family and we still experienced, you know, poverty and unemployment, things like that, where it was just like, okay, we are struggling, but we're together. And then for that to be flipped on its head of, okay, I might not see my siblings or my mom again from one situation mm-hmm. and realizing like that really just changed my life completely. So having that experience in foster care with my sister just really put things in perspective. Unfortunately, we were both abused while in foster care. Mm-hmm. So for me being so young and going through such, well, it was just a lot. It was very dreadful experience that I really, at the time, couldn't process. Mm-hmm. It was literally just one extreme to the next, to the next, to the next. There's really no time in between to really trying to process and understand it. So that's where the, you know, survival comes into play. Yeah. And nature was my go-to. And and I'm only saying this because I can better express it and define it now. Yeah. I did not know that that's what was happening. Like I was building a relationship with nature to help myself heal from my trauma in foster care. Yeah. It was literally like a mental, emotional escape that I felt I needed to have in those moments of just not knowing, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what I was going to be going through and how long I was going to be there and not be able to see my mom or the rest of my siblings. There was actually six of us. So we all got split up into twos and my other four siblings got sent to other foster homes. Mm -hmm. So just not knowing, being confused, being with strangers, growing up in a different neighborhood, all of these layers of just uncertainty. And I needed to have some sense of control. So we grew up in a really nice, you know, neighborhood, suburb of of Cleveland. And I remember the house that we lived in. There's this really nice backyard, you know, garage, patio furniture, you know, there's grass, there's a I think it was kind of like a concrete pool or a stone pool or something like that. And then there was kind of this trellis that I remember great, great buying growing. Yes. And so it was nice. It was a nice neighborhood. You know, nobody knew what we were going through, but I was drawn to those nature elements because it kept me calm. It kept me in a space of... Not even like, not even happy things. It was just like, just not having to worry of just being that young and like, okay, what's going to happen? I don't want to be here. I don't want to talk to these people. Like, it just gave me a way to really experience and like not feel anxious, not feel worried. It was a distraction from what I was going through every day. And not even necessarily like defining what that was at the time, but really having this constant that I can always just go to and it not beat me down and like physically, mentally, emotionally. But it was just, I am here. 
If you need to sit for a little bit, if you need to think, like I am here to provide that for you. The consistency, the predictability, the safety is what I hear you talking about. And you figured out kind of how to lay hold of that for yourself. And I heard you say, build a relationship with nature. It sounds like not only did you find that respite and that refuge there, but then you started to, as you developed a habit of spending time in nature, you started to discover that there was there was ongoing and kind of maybe expanded benefit from what you initially realized in this outdoor space. Is that right? Like being out in creation, out in nature. Is that accurate? Yeah. And it was a lot of the physical just because, you know, and even at the, I didn't know I was introverted. <laughs> I just knew I liked quiet. I liked the quiet. I didn't like the hustle and bustle of everything. I like to be with my thoughts. I like to, you know, ask questions and, and be curious. And I feel like that, that natural environment, nature as a whole allowed me to, to do that. Wow. So I love that because I'm hearing you talk about, you know, kind of finding refuge in places that feel safe for you, even if they might be considered unconventional, because let's talk about kind of the limitations that are put around, you know, black people, black girls. And sometimes we are not necessarily encouraged by society to take advantage of, you know, quiet and stillness and given permission to be introverts and all these kinds of things. So you took refuge in a space that was safe for you, even if maybe unconventional. And then you kind of held on to this space and since you are this age and still this is a, a passion for you, I'm assuming that, you know, you might have over time maybe even found yourself doing it, you know, alone or without a community that supported this practice. And so you actually came to build a community. So can you talk about that? Because I think that there is fire in that, you know, if we define fire as agency and willingness to own our own experience and efficacy in these things, your ability to embrace your introvert nature and embrace the thing that embraced you, right? And hold on to that and do something with that and build a community around that is pretty powerful. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I didn't have anyone, even, you know, my sister, like we, all we had was each other in that trauma. But even beyond that, I couldn't rely on my sister to understand me. So nature was that, again, all of that, like without having like a physical being there. You know, there is a being, a living life force, essentially, but also really thinking about like I I was alone, essentially. I didn't have anyone to, you know, really bounce those feelings off of and like even just open up and like connecting and like okay I'm I'm going through something really hard but also I still have hope there's just something more this is temporary I'm not gonna let this affect me and and literally feeling like I was an adult at the age of five or six like having to make really tough decisions 
out of survival, but also out of being able to take care of myself because I wasn't completely sure that I could rely on human beings just from what I went through that I couldn't trust. I couldn't feel safe. Like I literally was just like, I don't care for this. I don't want to do this because I just want to be a kid. And really having to kind of narrate my story as I was going through these different stages of life. And school was a big part of that. So outside of nature, school, you know, going another safe place that I felt like, okay, I didn't have to reveal what I was going through. So yeah, what I hear about the joy and there's so much uncertainty over here, but yet I'm going to claim this joy where I can and where I find it and I'm going to be present in it. I can see even just in the amount of time I've known you so far, how that has served you in being able to show up and be present and kind of refuse some of the striving and hamster wheel life that other people have been conditioned to embrace. And I feel like maybe your experiences have conditioned you in the opposite way. And so, you know, here you are now helping people to lay claim to what you know so well And can you talk a little bit about that? Like, if you have been a girl, particularly a Black girl, in this culture, then you have, this podcast is for everybody, but this is an important piece to pull out. If you have been a Black girl coming up from a bloodline of people who were at threat of life and limb, required to work all the time. And rest was a luxury that was not considered something for them. And Black women were nursing the children of the people who owned them and also nursing their own children. They were working in fields. They were doing more than anyone really out there, which caused Zora Neale Hurston to, you know, call Black women the mule of the world. Against that backdrop, there has not been a strong sense culturally and socially, societally, that it's okay for Black women to enjoy rest and to be still and silent and to be quiet and to be introverts. So can you say something about, you know, why and how it takes fire or courage or determination to show up as a Black girl who claims your place in outdoor spaces? Yeah, so... I think it's first off, rest isn't a luxury. It's a human right. (laughs) It's definitely, and I think I'm always like kind of seeing the parallels of what nature has experienced, the environment has experienced, and what the Black woman has experienced. And I feel like it's very similar situations, dynamics of like you were saying with us or Neil Hurston and like the mule of the world and essentially that's the nature. It's like it's just again going back to the conversation of taking, just taking, constantly taking, not giving back, not nurturing, but still expecting so much in return. Wow. Like it's so profound to me that, and this is, this is another thing I very much appreciate about my relationship with nature is it's taught me so many life lessons, like not even just about 
living things and like, you know, how those are beneficial and like the experiences in the outdoors, but really like looking at myself like a mirror kind of and engaging with myself. Like how I treat nature is is how I treat myself, essentially. And vice versa. And I feel like it's it's really unfortunate that it's something that we haven't really like tapped into to help us move forward Mm -hmm. in in a healthy way. And it's so simple, it's so basic. So that's why I'm giving so much more energy to building, like building and evolving my relationship with nature because it's sustaining me. It's it's continuing to give me life. It's continuing to give me breath. It's continuing to give me wisdom and understanding in a way that I never thought I would feel so connected to this life force. Wow. And just just having that in, as a mental kind of a compass in anything that I do, like that's what gives me that push. That's what gives me that confidence. Way more confidence than I, I thought I could have in my lifetime to just block out the noise and be able to like read it between the lines and like, okay, no, this is like, this is being said to me, but like, but this is, the underlying, you know, message or theme, you know, that I really need to to pay attention to. And nature has given me that skill to be able to decipher the good from the bad Mm. and helping me take what I need and leave the rest. Wow. Block out the noise, take what you need and leave the rest. That's that special wisdom that you get from that stillness and that practice. And leave... And leaving the rest, and when I say leaving the rest, this could be like waste, like stuff that you don't need, but it can also, again, connecting to nature and how it lives and thrives and provides, leave the rest for someone else Mm. to feel full, to feel connected, to feel understood, like all of those layers, like someone else can come and take from this and, and it's, it's, there's still an abundance there. Well, you're not taking it all for yourself. Yeah, I love that. And so what message would you have for someone who's trying to have a similar journey or, you know, come to a similar conclusion maybe for themselves? What would you say about what it looks like to to claim that and to be able to to get there? I feel like it's definitely starting with yourself. And sometimes you have to go back to move forward. So really kind of taking an assessment of what you've gone through and like, okay, maybe, you know, this is something, a topic or a concern or worry that I haven't really addressed because I've just been pushing it down, you know, with work or with other obligations that kind of distract me from really doing the work and dealing with those, those obstacles. So for me, that was my emotions, like how I manage my emotions when I'm going through something hard, because I do feel like I very much deal with things, you know, especially as a Black woman in silence and, and, you know, asking for help, not reaching out, 
to others. And, and I think that because I felt that nurturing energy from nature, it gave me permission, which allowed me to give myself permission to keep pushing, keep moving forward, to keep speaking with every breath, like louder and louder. So I was very soft-spoken, like even just saying things, I was always like whispering, like people like speak up and like, I felt like if I was too loud, you know, it was annoying or I would call attention to myself. And to me, that was scary. Like, I don't want people to notice me. I'm okay with being behind the scenes. I'm okay with not being noticed. I don't, I don't need to shout. But also realizing that's, that's not, that wasn't a failure to be speaking soft. Like I still had power, even though my voice wasn't. Yes. So realizing, oh, okay, I have, I have things to say, just not in the same way that people would think that they would have an impact. And because I was introverted, I feel like I had this kind of a superpower, this more bold, but silent power that I could use to, to get through this, you know, just push through any chaos, essentially. So well, that was kind of my realization and like, oh, you can, like, you're fine. You can do this. Like, it's going to make sense to you because it feels right. Like, no one's telling me how to feel and why to feel that. And now that I'm like, oh, that's, you know, I know I could be chatty. I know I could be quiet. I know I could be, you know, come off as very blunt, you know, sometimes. But like, that's part, like, that's part of everything that I am. So another part of it is the self-love, like loving myself enough to be like, you know what? It's okay. Like, this is me. I'm not going to change. I know what I want. Yes. I know what I need to be like the best version of myself. And I'm going to go along for that ride as long as I can. So if that doesn't necessarily meet someone else's expectations, that's their business. I have nothing to do. <laughs> so. Okay. So, yes. Speaking of not your business, can you talk about what it looked like? You know, just briefly, you don't have to share all the details, obviously, but like what it looked like to decide that the nine to five hamster wheel was not your portion and that you wanted something different because I've heard you say in a lot of different ways, I learned myself. I, I'm, I was self-aware in all of these different ways. And so when your antenna are that fine-tuned to pick up things internally and externally and know what's working for you and what's not, then that kind of propels you to make some moves, you know, is what my understanding is. And so can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I give I give myself a lot of credit. I'm just pausing more. Like that was a big part of it is just knowing when to stop, knowing when to pause, knowing when to be still. You don't have to be moving. You don't have to be producing all the time. We're not robots. I've known this forever. Like I've known that I'm not, I'm not kind of person who's just, I'm interested in everything just to, because I'm curious mm -hmm. and I'm tapped in 
to just knowing things and absorbing information. Yes. And connecting the dots for myself, but also helping other people connect the dots. And being able to understand things on different wavelengths. Yeah. And I always go with like an, in an energy kind of example of, you know, being an introvert. It's not about being shy. It's not about being disconnected from people or even hating people. It's I need time to recharge. Yeah. To go back out into the world and feel good. Yes. So... If I'm able to recharge, then I know I'm giving 100% of myself. If I know I'm like, okay, this is depleting. You're only going to get 50% of me or you're only going to get 25% of me. And I know that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just as much about knowing your body, knowing your emotions and like how you deal with them and knowing how to pause. It's not even necessarily what I know. It's, it's how I'm using the information that I'm absorbing. And it's telling me, you know, specific details, I guess, of life are telling me this doesn't feel right. Or, you know, my gut's telling me something else. Or, you know, sometimes it's not even my gut. Sometimes it's, it's me telling myself like, oh, you need to wait a little bit longer. Yes. Before you make a decision. Versus just rushing into something. And I've always been that person who isn't quick to make decisions. Because I know from my experience, and there's anxiety that comes from that. Mm-hmm. And when there's anxiety, there's no clarity. Yes. So having that clarity and understanding of who I am helps me make better decisions. But also, it's okay to pause. You're going to be pausing all of your life. But knowing that taking that pause is going to be so much more beneficial to you than feeling like you just have to like, oh, I have to push through this. You know, I can't I can't stop to rest or I can't stop to catch my breath or, you know, again, that's that feeling of ch- like you're always chasing something. Yeah. And then you get to that destination. And you're like, wait, what was I here for? What was I doing? <laughs> wow. Wow. So. The, the the work that I'm doing currently focuses on, be, because of my relationship with nature, like this is just spoke to me like in so many different ways that of why I need to be doing this is because of the, the transitions, the pauses, like those are so much more important than the doing. Because sometimes you get, caught up in the doing and you lose your why the pauses help you circle back to your why adjust your why and it's not like oh my gosh like i thought i was you know i thought i had it all figured out but i had it all mapped out banned out and then it doesn't go that way so we we don't give ourselves enough time and skills to to pivot so that's what my the nature of my work is by building a relationship with nature, it's helping you pause. It's helping you be okay with pivoting to go into that next chapter or a new path that you're creating for yourself without feeling like you're feeling. Yes. 
Yes, that's good. Especially emphasis on that without feeling like you're failing part. Because without that thing overshadowing you, I think there's a lot more clarity that you have access to if you're giving yourself permission and you are blocking out any ideas that you are, you know, devolving into a, a lesser version of yourself because you're pausing. I think that's very, very important. Thank you for that piece. So I guess my final question for today will be, Now, what is one thing that you wish society would say more to our girls as they develop? Or one thing that you want to say to them? You can go ahead and say it now. You can take a break. You can take a break. I know I need a lot of breaks. (laughs) I need a lot of breaks. You don't have to. You're not obligated to teach people things. You're not obligated to even explain yourself. Like, no is a full sentence. <laughs> so if you realize, you know what? I am, I am overexerting myself. I am acknowledging that I need time and space to reset. We don't, we don't get a lot of those opportunities. Because we're waiting for someone else to give them to us. We don't give them to ourselves. Wow. So when I say take a break, like that's you saying, like you reset and get ready to move into a space of abundance, thriving, like all of these different ways of joy and existing because you will gave yourself permission because someone else is like, oh, it's time for you to sit down. (laughs) But because you want to sit down and because you're fully embracing that and leaning into it. And I feel like from, from doing that, making, again, going back to the word decision, making that decision and knowing that you have that autonomy, I feel like that helps you bring in more of the light, that self-worth, that self-love, honesty, self-preservation all of those things just seem so much more like i always think of like neon lights (laughs) yes that just show up and it just starts to make more sense wow i love that i think that's there's nothing else to say (laughs) i want to thank you so much for just joining us on the podcast today Thank you for everything you've contributed. And thank you. Thank you for encouraging us to own our voice and our decision-making power and therefore our fire. And thank you for letting your fire light up the world. And we're glad you were with us today. You're welcome. Thank you again for having me. Thank you for joining us today. It is our hope that this episode has inspired and invigorated you and that you'll come back to hear the next episode. Until then, keep letting your fire light up the world.